0: Oh, good morning um, it 's good to good to see you um, thanks for for having me if you don 't have any clue who I am, then you are probably better off um, Uh, you don't need to, but uh, we just had the privilege of being on staff here for a few years, uh, a few years ago. And so it's just always a little bit like coming home here when we're here. So thank you so much for for just the opportunity to be here with you this morning. Um, And then thank you also just for the the prayers. Um, I have now landed at a, a church in Prescott, Arizona called Heights Church. And so, the last couple of weeks have been a difficult one as we have kind of been on the front lines of walking through uh, our community uh, with, with a really tragic situation as those 19 Granite Mountain hotshot firefighters lost their lives and so much devastation uh, from the fire in Yarnell. It's just been one of the most tiring, exhausting, emotionally draining couple of weeks and, and especially as you'd imagine for the families affected there. Um, and so it, it's just uh, really any prayers that you have are much appreciated. We're so thankful um, and we know that so many of you have, have been doing that. So thank you just firsthand, wanted you to hear it from, from me personally. Um, a, a friend of mine tells a story of a woman that heard growling dog noises Coming from outside, she ran to the window and to her horror, she saw that her dog, a giant German shepherd, had got into her neighbor's backyard and had her neighbor's pet rabbit in her dog's mouth. And her German shepherd was just shaking the life out of this poor rabbit. And this freaked her completely out. She, she knew that this was going to make an already tense situation with her neighbor even worse. And so she ran downstairs, she grabbed a broom, and she ran over into the neighbor's backyard and she began to beat on her dog until it dropped the rabbit, which was now completely dead and covered in dog spit. She scooped up the rabbit with the broom, she ran it back to her own house and dropped it in the bathtub. She then turned the water on, directed the shower head down onto this lifeless rabbit. She rinsed the rabbit off. She shampooed the rabbit. She conditioned the rabbit, she cream rinsed the rabbit, she then (laughs) blew dry the rabbit. I mean this rabbit looked good. She then snuck across the yard back into the neighbor's yard and propped the dead rabbit up in its cage. She snuck back home. A couple hours later, she heard screaming coming from next door. She pretended to not know what the matter was. She ran up to the fence and peeked over and she said, oh, what's the matter, what's the matter, she said. And her neighbor looked at her with terror in her eyes and she said, our rabbit, he died two weeks ago and we buried him and now he's back. (laughs) Life was never meant to be lived like some fluffed up rabbit. And yet, the reality is that there are a whole bunch of us that are walking around that look a whole lot better on our outside than we're actually doing on our inside. If you slow down long enough for just a moment, you'll, you'll know that we spend an awful lot of attention and time on our outward appearance and how we present ourselves often at great expense to how we're really doing on the inside, on our inward person. And if you're honest between you and you, and between you and God, you know that there are moments, there are seasons in your life where stress and the hardships that life is bringing you are draining you dry. We've had a front row seat to stress the last couple of weeks in our community like I was telling you. We got the call on the Sunday night that the firefighters had lost their lives and they asked a handful of the pastors from our church to come down and meet at the local middle school because they were going to be gathering the family members of these fallen hotshots to notify them about their loss. And they wanted us there just to be a comfort, and to pray with these people, to cry with these people. I got to tell you, I have never been through anything like that in my life. I've lost friends. I've lost loved ones. I've been a part of many funeral services, but the volume of this was more than I, I could handle, and to sit in a room with all these family members being notified about what had just taken place. I sat with a 20 something year old young woman who was eight months pregnant and found out that she had just lost her husband. And that wasn't the only case. I mean, there were so many little children left behind. There were parents showing up, finding out about what had just happened to their son. The, 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 The emotional pain and all, it was just overwhelming. But just to sit there and kind of come alongside and just try to be there with these people was all that we could do. We began to rally the community in the next 24 hours and several thousand people met at the local high school just a couple nights later for this amazing evening at a public high school where 7,000 people from the community came out and surrounded 120 of the family members and began to pray for them. This outpouring of comfort was just overwhelming and yet it's still in the midst of these awful circumstances. We've tried to walk well with the firefighters and the first responders that have given so much of themselves in these last several weeks and minister to them as they're hurting. We walked through a whole bunch this last week of the memorials and the graveside ceremonies For all 19 of these firefighters, six of the 19 firefighters went to our church. One of them had actually been the junior high director just a few years back. And to watch it just hit home and these ripple effects carry over in the lives of these families, that was painful enough, but to know that the Yarnell community had been wiped out by this fire. The average annual income in the city of Yarnell is only $16,000 per year. And so the poverty that's in that area, they don't have any of the resources to counter what's just taken place. And so now we're partnering with the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team and Samaritan's Purse to go mobilize 40 to 50 volunteers a day, every day, for the next 45 days to be a part of disaster relief there in that community. People are coming from all over. People are coming out of the woodwork in our own church, and our own community, and yet the stress is just overwhelming. And i got to tell you firsthand, I don't have what it takes to get through this. I, I don't have what it takes to get through the, the emotional expenditure. I don't have all the answers in moments like these. No, nobody does. I don't know what stress that you walk into the room with this morning, whether it has to do with marital issues or work issues or unemployment issues or financial issues. Maybe it's issues with your kids. Maybe it's issues with your friends. We all come in with a certain amount of stress. And situations like we've just walked through just become so painfully obvious to me that I don't have what it takes to pull this off. And it really doesn't matter how physically strong you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how educated you are. At some point, all of that outward development is gonna fail you. And if you're in the midst of a really deep valley right now, well, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've just come out of a really difficult season, you know what I'm talking about. If you're in a really good season right now, well, just wait. It's not going to be good forever. That's the roller coaster of life, right? But I have been so overwhelmed at the reality that, that I, I tend to focus so much on the outward and, and miss what God's wanting to do in strengthening the inward me, my soul and my spirit. And so I'm leaning into the hope of this passage out of the book of Second Corinthians. And if you have your Bible this morning, if you wouldn't mind opening up to that passage, Second Corinthians chapter four. If you're not real familiar, go to the end of your Bible and work back to the left, and you hit this book of Second Corinthians, chapter four. Look at verse 16. Paul, that wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, trying to encourage the believers there, he's just reiterated how much Jesus has done for them. And in light of that, he says in verse 16, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, now in general, I feel like in our culture, in our society, in our day and age, in general, we tend to focus way more on the seen, on the outward, and on the temporary, the here and now, than we do on the unseen, on the inward, and on the eternal. It's just the normal default for us to focus way more on what we can see and touch and the outward appearance of things and the here and now than we do on the unseen, on the inward, on the soul, on the heart, on the spirit. There's probably a million reasons for that. It's a lot harder to address something that you can't really see. It's easier to create these facades and these false fronts to mask what's really going on on the the inside. I also believe that there isn't much applause, there's just not much applause for someone that's just got a really strong heart or a really strong character. Well, we'll sing high praises and applaud people all day long for the way that they look or the talents or gifts that they've got, the abilities that they've got. If they've got the right looks and the right friends and the right material possessions, we applaud that all day long. But when it comes to someone that has just really opened themselves up to the God of the universe and said, Make my inward person, my heart, my soul, my spirit. As strong as, as it should be, God, well, that doesn't garner a lot of value or applause. And so, we often don't give it a whole lot of attention. We'll spend an awful lot of time just avoiding difficult circumstances. Instead of pressing deeper into Jesus in the middle of our difficult circumstances, we, we just assume just avoid them altogether. Or when we come to reality that we can't avoid those situations, we'll spend a lot of time masking the emptiness that we really feel inside. If you slow down long enough just to ask yourself the question, how am I really doing inside this morning? You may look fantastic this morning. But if you slow down long enough just, again, between you and you and you and God and go, If I'm honest with myself, how's my heart doing? How's my soul doing? How's my spirit? How's my inward person doing? If you just slow down long enough, it 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 can be painful if you haven't thought about that in a while. And if you haven't thought about it in a while, there's a high likelihood that you could be feeling darn near bankrupt in your inward person. And yet that's the real source of strength for you to make it through these trials and these hardships that that come your way. It has way more to do with your heart than your brain or your physical muscle. It has way more to do with what God's able to do in strengthening your spirit and your soul because stress is just a huge part of life. And yet Paul that wrote the, the words that we just read. He was totally familiar with stress. You know, in our culture, we've got all sorts of graphs and measurements about stress. You can take all sorts of tests, or you can go see and talk to people, and they will try to figure out how stressful your life is right now and how in danger you are of certain things. They'll give point values to certain amounts of stress in your life. If you've lost a spouse or a child or a loved one, well, there's 100 points. If you've gone through a divorce, then there's 80 points. If you've just bought a house or you just got a new job or there's some relational tension, it's this amount of points, this amount of points. And they total up the points and they go, whoa, if you're over 200 or whatever it is, then you, you need to really watch out because you're in danger of a heart attack or emotional breakdown or whatever. It's just kind of our human way of trying to minimize what's going on in our lives, but. You can't always control what's going on in your life, right? You can't control the volume of of things that come your way. Some things are in your control. Some things are a result of your choices, but a whole lot of things you're not in control of at all. And Paul was one of those guys that had experienced an awful lot of stress. If you flip just a couple chapters to the right, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, look at what Paul describes about his stressful life. Paul runs us through what he's been through here, starting at verse 24 of chapter 11. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. And I've often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. And that was no small stress there. Here's a guy, Paul, that was very aware of the the stress that life could bring. And honestly, that list compared to our list, I mean, he's experienced things that most of us will never ever have to experience, and over and over and over and over again. I hesitate to even think of what his point value would have added up to. And yet, Paul was able to kind of navigate through and figure out how to not cave in, not collapse, not suffer emotional breakdown or, or all of the physical stressors that come with these sorts of situations, he was able to find that the heart of the issue was his heart, and that while you could do an awful lot to the outward body, that his ability to get through stress and hardship, like you can't possibly imagine, his ability to come out the other side successful, had way more to do with how strengthened his inner person was than his outward person. He knew that he didn't have the luxury of neglecting his heart and his spirit and that he spent more time connecting with God and letting the spirit come in and chisel away at his heart and develop his inner man than being concerned with all the outward stuff. He knew what it was like to go through stress. And that's firsthand. Coming firsthand then why he's he's able to write, if you go back to chapter four, look at verse seven. Paul says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. He said you've got this treasure and it's inside jars of clay. He's just acknowledged that our outward person, our body, is a jar of clay. It's a fragile thing. Your your body and my body is incredibly fragile and it's just in the process of wasting away. We all get that. But he said we've got this treasure that's inside. And that's what's actually valuable. That's what's actually really, really important. That's what's special. It's the work that God's done inside your heart already, inside your soul already, that that's what really, really, truly matters. Guys, it's the reminder, honestly, that, that you are not a body that happens to have a soul inside. You are a soul that's wrapped in a body. And if you can kind of settle into that reality, even as subtle as it might be, it's that treasure inside of you that's unseen, that's going to live on for eternity. That's what actually really matters. And so we we should spend more of our time developing that part of us by opening our lives up to this God instead of running away from Him. Neglecting and stiff-arming and pushing him off. I love that he goes on here. Verse 8. He just says, you know, the stress deal, the hardships of life, they're really inevitable. Verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Because of the reality of of what God is doing on the inside, what he desires to do on the inside, that's going to press on for eternity. He's got you. And so, like worst case scenario, These trials, these hardships, this stress, it might eclipse your body, but it can never eclipse your soul. That that should be a huge opportunity for rejoicing and celebration, to know that that what's inside is the most important, it's the most precious, it's the thing God's most concerned with. And, And the worst case is that you can get hammered on the outside and broken down and beat up, it might even lead to death, but he can strengthen you, he can strengthen you now, and he can protect your heart now and your inner person now if you let him. And he's, always, he's promised to protect your inner person going forward for all eternity. He's got you. What's in here is way more important than what's outside. As human beings, we do tend to focus on the outward. First Samuel reminds us of that. God says that in First Samuel. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that God doesn't judge me by my outward appearance. Look at me. I look like Howie Mandel and Voldemort had a baby. This is is not happening. (laughs) This is the best I got. I'm so glad that God could kind of pierce through and look in and catch what's going on here. He knows that it's a disaster most days. And yet he loves this. And he loves to get in here and strengthen here and work on here. He hates when it gets hardened. He hates when it gets cold. He loves when it gets tender and soft and opened up. And so for us to get to where Paul is at, that regardless of the life circumstances and the stressors and all of that, to emerge, to get to the end of your days and say, I've fought the good fight and I've finished the race. And we didn't collapse, cave in, give up, walk away. It has way more to do with making like a radical, bold commitment to allowing God to develop your inner person, to focus there more then how much you're developing the outward, whether it's physical appearance, muscular health, there's value for that for sure, take care of yourself physically. Education, that's fantastic, do it. But don't neglect your heart. Don't neglect what God wants to do in your inward person because that's where the real strength lies in your ability to make it through each day, much less when stuff gets difficult. That's the key. On the Sunday night that we got the call to go down to the middle school and the family began to show up and they began to be notified. There was a young woman, early 20s, that goes to our church who had just lost her husband. And she loves Jesus with all you've got and her husband loved Jesus with all he had. But when she got the news, this petite, beautiful, soft-hearted, little 20-year-old woman just collapsed in the parking lot. And she couldn't even catch her breath An uncontrollable sobbing followed and wailing, and people just dropped down around her. There was nothing that you could do, just just be there. And for the next two hours, that's basically the way that she was. That's the way everybody was for the next two hours. But in this young woman's life... About a half hour after that went by and a half after that went by and five hours into this thing and the room is still filled with wailing and crying and hurting. And I looked over and I saw this new widow that had been a collapsed heap mess on the floor. She now was standing up. Tears were still coming down her face but she had a smile on her face and she is walking around the entire room to all the other widows and all the other moms and all the other dads and all the other kids. And she's giving them hugs and she's extending hope and she's bringing words of comfort. She had just experienced the same loss as all the other hurting people in the room. And it wasn't that she was ignoring that or shoving it aside, she's still hurting and grieving deeply. But her ability to physically get up and begin to minister to other people in the room, how in the world do you do that unless her inner person had been so strengthened by her relationship with God? And we knew that that was the case. There were so many people that had testified to that. And it was now that inner strength there that allowed her to get up off the floor and take a breath to get it through the the rest of that evening, much less like extend comfort and hope and kindness to all the others that had gone through the same loss that she had. And she's continuing to do that. There's a hope there, there's a strength there that's untouchable. Yeah, she had been struck down, but she wasn't destroyed. And the only reason was because of the strength that God had given her as she had opened her heart and her spirit and her soul up long before that event ever happened. And the strength of God was now just literally overflowing out of her and spilling into the lives of everybody in that room. It was as if Jesus... We're working that room that evening. And I believe that that's what was taking place. And that's why I cling to this passage. That's why I don't lose heart and I don't want you to in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through. You don't need to lose heart. You need to open your heart. And you need to guard your heart in the way that Scripture talks about. And when it says that in Proverbs 4, it means to guard your heart by retaining the words of Scripture, the wisdom of Scripture, retaining that relationship with Jesus. How do you strengthen your inner person? First, you get honest before your God and say, I don't think I'm doing very well, Lord. I need your strength, I'm a mess. How do you strengthen your inner person? You dive into his word, you're praying constantly. This is a good starting place when you gather here, it's a good place to strengthen your soul. But you can do that all week long. As you continue to walk in small groups a relationship with other people, you get a mentor, a discipler. As you begin to serve and give back, As you press deep into a relationship with Jesus, He'll be so quick to strengthen your soul and renew you day by day regardless of what comes. Take advantage of it. It's your only hope. And we've budgeted some time in this morning together to give you a chance. To let God strengthen your inner person, to let God strengthen your spirit and your soul and your heart, we're going to take communion together. And this is a really special time. It's an important time that as, as you have time to just reflect right where you're at in your seat, the elements will be passed to you and these elements represent the body of jesus the night that he was betrayed he he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said this bread represents my body which is going to be broken for you then he passed drink around and he said this this cup represents the new covenant in my blood that's going to be shed for you whenever you eat it and drink it remember me you remember the sacrifice that he gave Remember the reality that Jesus even knew stress. He knew brokenness. He knew exhaustion. But he also knew where his real strength came from. And while we kind of hold these elements that you'll hold here in just a moment, they're a reminder of what your relationship with Jesus, it came at a cost. It came at a cost of a Savior that knows what it's like to be you, and yet voluntarily chose to go to the cross for you so that he could repair a damaged relationship between you and God, damaged by sin. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that he's faithful, forgive you of your sin and start a whole new life for you. He can begin to renew your heart even now And for some of you that might be for the first time, this morning you just come to the end of yourself and you go, I'm totally empty inside, I got nothing. Well, God's got his love for you and his forgiveness for you and his mercy for you. He can begin to restore your soul even now if you call out to him. The rest of you that already have a relationship with Jesus, maybe this is just an important time to allow him to strengthen you as he reminds you again of who he is and what he's done for you. May you slow down long enough just to get honest before God and invite him. Invite him to do some work on your heart and strengthen your soul and your spirit. Maybe invite him to give you a desire to pursue him more and more, Not, not just here for an hour on a Sunday, but all throughout the week. He'd be faithful to do that. He loves to get in a close relationship with you and walk with you every single day. You're not alone. And praise be to God this life isn't all that there is. Praise be to God that what is seen and what is outward and what is here and now, that ain't it. There's a whole unseen. There's a whole inward. There's a whole eternal thing happening that a moment right now for us in communion is good. It's important for us to slow down. It's important for us to do this together now. And it's important for you, more important for you, to focus on the inward and the soul, what God wants to do there over the weeks and months to come than anything that you could do outwardly. Would you pray with me? Gracious heavenly Father, thank you so much for your, your love and your closeness. I thank you that this life isn't all that there is. God, forgive me for times where I'm just running totally independent of you. Forgive me for the times where I feel like I can do life on my own. Forgive me for the times where I focus too much on the outward appearance of things, even my physical body, my mental preparedness, and really at the neglect of my soul care, the growth and development of my spirit that only comes as I just get honest with you on a consistent basis and let your word into my heart and my mind and not run from difficult things, but press harder and harder into you. I confess that this morning. I haven't been doing that as much as I should. And when life's got tough this last month, I can, I can see it and I can feel it. God, would you just flood into the hearts and minds of these brothers and sisters that I've got in this room? Would you strengthen their inner person right now? Would you do something in their soul? Would you stir it up? Give them a heart for you. Would you soften their hearts? As we hold these elements, they remind us of the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. And We just slow down and reflect. Would we sense Jesus closer than our breath? Give us the breath that we need to make it through the rest of today. And we'll breathe more of you in tomorrow. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.